Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. My name is John Manuel. I'm joined by our managing editor, J.J. Cooper, here in the podcast nook at Baseball America World Headquarters in the Research Triangle Park slash Durham, North Kakalak. Thanks so much for the download. J.J. and I still have WBC fever. We filled out two different kinds of brackets here in March. <laughs> a very different March Madness, the kind that really does catch up to you when you stay up and watch the West Coast games uh, from the West. And we uh, before we really get started with podcast proper, I want to thank our correspondents who've covered this tournament for us, from Wayne Grassick in Japan to Larry Milson in Toronto to Juan Rodriguez and Mike Berardino in Florida to the guy who had the most enviable job all week, Kurt Kenny out in San Diego. And let's just think about what Kurt Kenny has seen in the in last a week, week. In a week. And what he's going to see again tonight, J.J. He starts off by this guy basically for a living right now is covering Steven Strasburg. He's doing other, thing, other things too, but Kirk's uh, watching Steven Strasburg. And then he gets to watch the other best pitchers in the world who are not affiliated with major league organizations. And they pretty much all happen to be in San Diego this week. And unfortunately for Cuba, only one of them really was on the Cuban team. Albertine Chapman, Albertine Aroldas Chapman, he's got like three names, and the rest of them were on Japan and Korea, and that's why Japan and Korea, uh, three teams enter the terror dome that was Petco Park this weekend in the World Baseball Classic. Four teams enter, three that we really thought had a chance to Four teams enter, three really great teams, and two teams leave. And JJ, I'll start off the podcast, we have our our, uh, tournament set, Kerr got to watch this great pool of death, Cuba, Korea, Japan... Mexico, and Mexico represented. Let's not hey, knock yeah, they, Mex- they, they Mexico. Were, they played well. They were, you put them in pool. Uh, they would have, you know. And they could have competed with the U.S. Yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Um, but let's put it in perspective. Uh, I think the, the the key for to me, the, the coolest thing that comes out of that pool, is just the level of play. JJ, the question I got on our ESPN.com weekly chat was about. Uh, what would those three teams, Korea, Cuba, Japan, how would they fare in a full major league season? I think I might have been on the high end a little bit by saying that I know those teams are between 85 and 95 win teams just because they're pitching in defense in Cuba because of its offense. But I think the main point is we saw three great teams playing a great baseball round robin, and one very worthy team, Cuba, had to go home. Oh, the thing that I hope the World Baseball Classic is doing more than anything else is, is that there was always this thought that, you know, okay, there is a player or two over in Japan. Right. If they're lucky enough and good enough, then they can make the trip over and right. they can hold their own in the U.S. Well, yeah, or their best players can certainly come right. over here. But they'll you be know good, what? but they won't but be the you know best what? players and, here. And the Japan League, because of that, though, is a shadow of its former self. Yeah, it's like and, the early 50s Negro. Right, and it's, you know, and it's just trying to survive. Right. What we saw... These are not, this is, you know, yes, there are major leaguers on the Japan, Japanese team. Right. There is a major leaguer or a former major leaguer or two on, on the, the Korean, Korean team. team. Right. Yeah, Jung, the fact that Yung Bong is the number two pitcher for Korea does kind of make you say, wait a minute, is Korea really that good? But I think Yung Bong also would be the, a pretty good pitcher in the major league. The question now. is, is that Jung Bong basically, is he a better pitcher than we ever got to see, you know, now that he's had a couple more years to develop? Very possible. You know, but 
it's the thing that's fun about it is is it's also a different game. I know we talked about this on the last podcast. It is a defense. It's a you know it's a nineteen seventy nineteen really. I mean, if you want to go to nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties before the home run became everything in the U.S. kind of game. It's that kind of game, and it's a tournament style. And so that immediacy, that level of immediacy is added to it. That's kind of like a hybrid for someone like me. It has elements of college baseball in it that I like to see, the intensity, the dogpile in March that the United States uh, got to pull off. We haven't even talked much about the Team USA. Um, Team USA and Venezuela. Have advanced. Yeah, we'll get, yeah. Frankly, we've been pretty obsessed with the other pool, the West Coast and, pool. And so frankly, we are the baseball America because pool. David Wright's good. Yeah. He, he came up, you know, clutch hit the game-winning hit for the U.S. But... At Baseball America, you know, okay, we were, I mean, it's not that we don't follow the major leagues, yeah. but our interest in David Wright, you know, basically goes back to when, you know, he was coming out of Virginia and then, right. you know, okay, well, how I mean, good is he as, right. you know, when he has a breakthrough season? We, and we they released ball. him to the wild like in 2004, right. you know? These guys that we see for Japan, Korea, Cuba, you know, this is one of the rare chances you get as an American baseball fan. Yeah. I mean, we, all, we were talking about you, Darvish. You know, every you know, we were talking about Yunjin, you know, you for right, Korea, right, right. And then we watched Hisahi, uh, Hisahi uh, Iwakuma, Iwakuma, against a guy Cuba. we did not know much about. I, 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 I had I a scout ignorance. tell me he was really good, and that you know, what do you think about him? I'm like, well, you know, man, <laughs> you're gonna get something. <laughs> I, I see that, and it's like, I don't want to, He's not. I don't ever want to compare anyone to Greg Maddox because Greg Maddox is his own kind of pitcher and all, and his repertoire is entirely different than right, Greg right. Maddox, but. I was impressed in that it was, in his fastball, actually better than Maddox was in his normal, you know, for the majority of Maddox's career. But it was a Maddox-like performance in that it was a hit your spots, change your speeds, very good movement. He he pitched. He he pitched, and he didn't go out there just to overpower the opponent. He could overpower the opponent. He could finesse the opponent. It was a tour de force against Cuba uh, for Iwakuma, for Hisashi Iwakuma for Japan. And I think both of them, I mean, like the night before, I, I, I am DJJ and said, I'll bet you $5 Cuba wins that game. And you would not take right. that. And, then, and that was and nothing you know against Japan. We just did not want to bet against Cuba with their backs against the wall. But Cuba played the role. And I, I, mean, I, I know I do this a lot, but I've only got to see Cuba play in, in person twice. It was a decade ago. All the players, except for Ariel Pastano, basically, and Jorge Vera, have changed. Lazo was on the team? Lazo was too. That's about no, I was going to say, Lazo was about 72 been, at the time. There might have been one or two other guys. But uh, Cuba played played just in that elimination game against Japan, it was just like the Ben Sheets game in the 2000 Olympic gold medal game. The U.S. got a, got on top early. Japan got on top early. Not as early as the U.S. did. The U.S. got its run in the first inning with a Mike Neal home run off Pedro Lazo. But and, and it was Cuba falling behind on the air by Cespedes in center field. But that, the, the Cuban misplay, uh, Japan taking the lead, and then Ariel Pistano blowing up the team in the middle of the game with the poor sportsmanship and the red ass that he's known for, um, being A.J. Pierzynski to the power of 10, they played exactly the way scouts have been telling us they play over the years. And it was just pretty unbelievable uh, to watch Cuba play to form and really have uncompetitive at-bats against Iwakuma. And I don't want to – he pitched very well. He had showed four pitches that were average to plus because the fastball command, the split. Uh, the slow curve was probably fringe average because it really was a spot curve. It's really ball. just something – Well, the slider just, was dirty. Yeah, and it was just something the slider and the split you. were dirty. I mean, it, 
Those were both plus major league pitches. And that's Japan's third starter. And that's the key point here. That's Japan's third starter. And Korea has a pitcher in you who did not pitch well in that pool. But is their ace and can, can match up with anybody Japan has, can match up with anybody the U.S. has in a one-game situation. And, and that's the level that international baseball is at right now. I, I think Cuba has fallen behind because their pitching is not as good, J.J., but I think Korea and Japan emphatically from the Olympics to WBC, the last two WBCs, has, has shown the level that baseball in Asia has come to. And we heard also in this tournament with the strides that China has made, uh, Taiwan, Taiwan, Taiwan is a competitive really country, a but it has taken, taken a step back. Uh, and yet, major league teams keep signing players from Taiwan. Right. I think it just tells you baseball in Asia, I think, is at a much higher level than Americans uh, give credit to generally. And with Cuba, you know, Cuba basically, you know, if you don't follow international baseball that closely, Cuba is international baseball. Yeah, they're the, they, they're, they're, the they're, they're, you know, like, you know, U.S. can, you know, the U.S., it's the U.S., yeah. we may have invented the game, and hey, for let's be honest with it, for 40 years, yeah. International baseball, when it came to international competitions, didn't matter. <laughs> U.S. didn't pay attention to right. it. I mean, not that U.S. Didn't pay baseball was only formed in what 1978, 1981, right. somewhere and in that it's range. Not to poo-poo what Cuba did, but the reality of it is, is that they were beating teams before that were not, you know, teams sending their best. Yeah, the last time the U.S. an amateur team had beaten Cuba in a competition that mattered really was 1967. And I'm going to break out an imitation here that no one will get. George Greer, uh, from Wake Forest coach, but for UConn, come on, RJ, come on, RJ. So anyway, uh, George Greer was the hitting hero for Team USA in the Pan Am Games in Winnipeg in 1967. That's that's like you, there are so few occasions where the U.S. used to beat Cuba or anybody who used to beat Cuba in international competition that when it happened, it became like a little mini legend in those little circles, and George Greer was one of but, those. But the reality of it now is is that. This is the worst stretch of international baseball that Cuba has had basically since Cuban baseball became Cuba baseball, which really is right around the time that Fidel Castro right. came to power. Since then, it's basically, it's, it's really kind of come to the point where Cuba has its worst performance in an international tournament yeah. here. Oh, there's no doubt, but no, I think but they hit the you key. go back, they didn't, you know, they made it to the championship game. But they didn't win the Olympics. No, and they have, and they've done that since uh, 19, since 2006 now, JJ. And that's the thing. You know, you're absolutely right. That's the worst stretch. Uh, this is the worst stretch Cuba ever. And that would have happened. You would have said that no matter what, if they had just by not making the semifinals in this tournament. But you go back to 2006 World Baseball Classic. They didn't win the classic. They lost in the finals. That was still a very strong showing. Very strong. But then 2006 in the summer, Cuba hosted a lot of tournaments, uh, international, uh, amateur, and professional. And they, they didn't even make the finals in the World Juniors that year, which people don't really care that much about. Um, they didn't make the finals, I don't believe, in the college-level tournament, which they usually own, because the, the FISU tournament, the age limit goes up to 27. So there's several members of their actual national team uh, playing on their college team. And then their professional team, the top-level team, lost to the U.S. 8-5 to in the Olympic qualifying tournament championship game. Then in 07, the big event, there were other events, but the biggest one was the World Cup. The U.S. sends Colby Rasmus and Evan Longoria and a stud team, and they go to Taiwan and beat Cuba in the finals. 2008, uh, you know, Cuba beats the U.S. in the medal round, uh, Steven Strasburg, and they, they kind of pounded him, but they lost in the championship game to Korea. And now, again, they don't even get to the semifinals in this event. The, the, the it's a four-year I mean, stretch, really. Three, the last six, seven, eight, and now on. is 
is a 2005 World Cup, which was played in the Netherlands, and really, frankly, wasn't a great tournament. That was the U.S. A, that had was a the bad It said an indie ball team, basically. No, no, they no. they had a they basically were six year free agents, and and then the Mets gave them Lastings Millage and Brian. Oh yeah, Bannister. that was that team. Yeah. And the U.S. and Cuba did play in the uh, round of eight, and Brian Bannister did start the game, and Davy Johnson was the manager, and Cuba destroyed Brian Bannister. Um, which I believe led to the Ambi Orgs, uh, you know, Ambi Orgs Burgos trade. Actually, not really. But, but no, the point is, is that, and if you straight, if you compare that stretch with any other team in international baseball, it's better. You know, no, except hey, for Korea. Actually. If Korea wins this, <laughs> Korea's better. Oh, no doubt. You know, no I mean, doubt. Because yeah, everyone forgets first World Baseball Classic. Korea had the best record. Korea had the best record of any team in it. Yeah, they yeah. were undefeated until they got in the semifinals and lost. I mean, they only had one loss in the whole event. Right. So. so you know, but but the thing about it is, is that Cuban baseball has been at such a high level that I mean, Cuban baseball used to dominate international competition. You can't dominate if you don't win. I mean, let's think and about we're it. We're basically coming up on five years, yeah, four years at least yeah, since four. Cuba has won a significant, like tournament. major international tournament. Where every other where team every is other team as hard tried, as they yeah. are, yeah. close to as hard, right? And, and it's. And it's not for lack of talent. Cuba does still have. I think you you watch their lineup and you see. I mean, there's seven or eight everyday big leaguers in that in that lineup. There, there are guys on their bench who can play the big. And league. that's yeah. And I don't, I don't think there's a doubt that. You know, I don't think Michelle Enriquez, for example, should hit three hole for Cuba. And I don't think he's a big leaguer because he doesn't profile, but he can hit. I mean, Osmani Arutia did not even make this Cuban national team. He's hit 400 like seven of the last ten years in the Cuban national series. I mean, it's. As, he, as you've said to me, they're back up. They've got their third string catcher. Their second and third string catcher can play shortstop for Team USA better than Derek Jeter. I'm not kidding. Uh, that's just they're that athletic. I mean, I'm, that's setting the bar fairly low. That's another subject we're going to get to later in the podcast. But I, Cuba, I, I've said it before, and I really think this is the biggest key. This stretch of Cuban futility, such as it is, is tied into the fact they don't have a number one A starter. They have a number one arm in Chapman. He's but not he's, there yet. He's not polished enough. He's not right. Old. He's basically not. I mean, he's not old he's enough. Not he's not refined enough. enough. And, the, and the thing he can is, throw really hard, but he always can't always. I mean, as we saw in that you know game against Japan, he can't find the plate necessarily. When Jose Contreras was his age, El Duque and uh, Rolando Arojo and Levon Hernandez were the were the aces, and Norhe Vera and Ciro Licey were challenging Contreras for that ace spot. Now Vera's thirty-seven, Lisey's thirty-seven, Lazo's thirty-six, thirty-seven. They don't have an ace between Contreras defecting and that. There's like a little lost generation there in the middle, and there were there have been pitchers like Vicio Andre Odeling has shown some str- some stretches. You Miles Rodriguez. Mayas. Miles Rodriguez was supposed That's to be the that guy. guy. That's where I was headed. The guy who would be their number one guy was Miles Rodriguez. He was hitting 100 miles an hour in the Olympics. He was 19. That was in 2000. He'd be in the prime of his career right now. But they, they got worried he was going to defect. He tried to defect. Uh, he didn't defect. Then they said, you try to defect, I will kill your shoulder. And they started him four games out of a seven-game playoff series. He's never been the same even when he did defect. And that's it, J.J. In my mind, if Miles Rodriguez stays Miles Rodriguez, none of this ever happens. Cuba is still dominant. Um, I, I, that's, yeah. And that's given respect needed, to Korea all, and Japan. But, but all they, they needed was if they'd have, had, if they'd have matched Iwakuma pitch correct, for pitch. Correct. Or if they'd be able to try to match Daisuke pitch for pitch. Right. And wait him out. They could have done that. But it's, that's what's missing for Cuba. They've never replaced Jose Contreras. I've said it. And I've said it. And I'm still saying it. They still haven't replaced Contreras. And that's why I, still, I think Cuba's hitters are as good or better than they ever have been. They don't, have a, they don't have a Linares. 
but they have four or five guys who are oh, studs. Yeah. I mean, Cespedes and Despagne and Cepeda, that outfield is a big league outfield. It's and it's impressive. You throw in Goriel, you throw in, I mean. Hey, you throw in Goriel, you throw in Oliveira at second base. Uh, the, Anderson, Leslie Anderson, their first baseman, that guy was a stud. I mean, Leslie Anderson, I don't know if he's Lars Anderson, but he's close. <laughs> he's not far off, and we put Lars Anderson on the cover, and Leslie Anderson was their backup. It's Their talent level is impressive, but on the mound, Cuba's short, and they don't have that go-to guy, and it, it affects them. And the reason, J.J., that I think you and I both think that Japan is the favorite going to L.A., and a couple nights ago I still was saying Korea, and Korea's defense is amazing, and they do have Hun Jin Yu, and they do have Young Bong, and they do have uh, an amazing bullpen limb that are right, uh, closer yeah. from the right side. Yeah, then- was outstanding. I'm a... I'm the, the United States. Uh, I'm, the, I'm the biggest uh, non-Asian fan of Tai Kong Chong you're gonna find. And I love that guy, um, but they don't have what Japan has. Between Iwakuma, Yu Darvish, and Daisuke Matsuzaka, they have three stud starters, pitching great, experience in this event, and ready to go. And, and I think that's gonna be too much for other teams to overcome. The key is is that. The big difference, and you know, we, we both kind of agree the U.S., I mean, is an underdog going into this. I think the U.S. will be the four seed. Right. At, at best, maybe the three. Yeah. And the reason for that, I mean, not making excuses. I mean, like, you know, I'm basically, I'm an American, let me make this clear. Sure, sure. But watching this tournament, I mean, I pretty much I want to go buy a blue jersey, you know, I mean. Yeah, I think like, I'm ready to go wear some Korean. I, I want some blue thunder sticks, yeah. is really what I want, but, or cheer sticks, whichever but, brand they are. That being said, the Jap- Japanese team, the Korean South Korean team, they are playing in midseason form. Yeah, they're playing, and they're playing a very entertaining brand of baseball. And they're, but they're in midseason form, whereas the U.S. is going to go into this and basically, obviously, there've been a lot of injuries, but beyond that, they're going to have to. They don't have a choice. Jake Peavy is going to go back out there. They better hope, and yeah. they hope that Jake Peavy has not just a little more than he had the last time he went out there. They better hope that that was a dead arm and it's back. They better hope he has a little Cal Eldred syndrome going on Cause, there. Because <laughs> basically, ugly. if you look at it, I mean, if you match up PV, you know, hey, Roy Oswalt, and now he's not, he's still not been as effective in this tournament right. as the Japanese, you know. But he's, but he is a, yeah. he is a, you know, 3.85 ERA, I think, in the tournament. I mean, he's, he's, and he's at the level, in my mind, of any, of any pitcher in this event. I mean, I, Roy Oswald is a is a true major league ace. He's got midseason caliber stuff. I don't think he has quite has his midseason form, his midseason touch and feel and and command. But I do. If I'm in the United States and I had a game to win, I put the ball in his hands. Right. But the problem is, is and then they don't have a choice though. And Jake Peavy's going to go. They got to win two. And Jake, you're not going to go to Ted Lilly, and you're not going to go to Jeremy Guthrie. No, you're not. You're absolutely not. And that's and and the U.S. So let's let's talk about the U.S. a little bit here, JJ. Um, Chipper Jams gone. Dustin Pedroia gone. Kevin Euclid's gone. Uh, who am I leaving out? Uh, uh, tons of pitchers. Matt Lindstrom gone. <laughs> Matt Lindstrom gone. <laughs> Good Ryan riddance. Braun hopefully coming back. Ryan Braun possibly coming back. But this is this is probably the U.S. lineup. They're running Mark DeRose over to first now. Brian Roberts. If you're going to lose Dustin Pedroia, Brian Roberts is a really nice little pickup. Let's hope, cross my fingers, Jimmy Rollins at shortstop. I, I don't all think anyone, due respect to the captain. Anyone who really is rooting for America to win this is screaming, please play J-Row for two games. And that is a tough one for Jim, for, for David Johnson and for Paul Seiler and for Bob Watson and all those guys. How do you finesse that? How do you tell Derek Jeter, yeah, we put you out front for this entire event, now take a back seat? And by the way, really, and you can make the argument that 
does your best lineup even have Jeter in it? Because you really Dunn's been a really key hitter for them in this league. Oh, I don't know if they can afford to not have Adam Dunn in the lineup. I, and, I and, and, and can you afford to have Adam Dunn in the, in the field? Uh, here's the question. Who do you rather have in the lineup, Adam Dunn or Jared Jeter? Who do you rather have in the lineup, Ryan Braun or Derek Jeter? Then, who do you rather have, Shane Victorino or Derek Jeter? That's really what you're, that's, that's really what it comes down to. But the because problem, their outfield is David Wright or Evan Longoria at third, and probably Longoria if Wright's toe is messed right. up. And, I mean, this, and is that's the most, t- that's, this is the second most watched toe in America right now for Taiwan Lawson. Um, Brian McCann, Chris Ionetta, they're fine behind the plate. Ionetta swinging a hot stick. North Carolina represent. I'll pop a jersey for that. Uh, you know, but their outfield right now is a melange. Ryan Braun, who's battling an injury. Uh, Adam Dunn, who is battling his glove. <laughs> uh, Mark DeRosa, who has to play first base now. Curtis Granderson, who's probably your center fielder. And then the X Factor is the Flying Hawaiian, Shane Victorino. I'll be honest with you, JJ. I think I'd rather have Shane Victorino than Jeets right now. In, in every way but at the plate. At the plate, so if you think you need offense, I think you, you put G to DH. But if you want defense, even if you want defense, you, you have to put, if, if Ryan Braun can go, you have to put Braun in left, Victorino in right, Granderson in center, and Dunn at DH. But Especially you know if you're what? playing in Dodger Stadium. That, yeah. But what they're going to do, I, I, Victorino's going to sit. I think you're right. Because the reality of it is, is that, and it's because it's a defensible decision. Oh, well, certainly. But the problem is, is on this is really if Wright's okay to go. Runs. If Wright's okay to go, I mean, yeah, that's the other tough one in that you really want Wright and Longoria both in that lineup. And I'll say it again. I know it won't happen. I'd put Jeter at first base, even though you'd be losing DeRosa. But, I'd put Jeter at first base because DeRosa is the perfect bench guy for a team like this. That's so short. He'll be the only bench guy. He's the guy only on bench guy. And like he play just, everywhere. It's going to be like 1990 Citadel where like they'd make a change. And I wasn't there, but Jim Cowles tells the story all the time. They had one reserve. And when they made a, a pitching change, everyone just changed positions. And that was the last time before Matt Wieters was in the Caldwell Series that a catcher caught and pitched. And now, of course, we've had a back-to-back Caldwell Series, or two of the last three, with Matt Wieters and Buster Posey catching and pitching in the same game. I'm just all over the place. I love the Cut World Baseball Classic. It but, brings all my tastes together into one event. It's, but, it's awesome. Now, we were talking about this a little bit before we started the podcast. Looking at it, okay, so Saturday we're going to have Korea versus Venezuela. And that is a pretty intriguing game. That's a great, I mean, let you know, for all we talk about Korea, I mean, Venezuela easily can win that game. And, and here's, the th- here's, the, here's the best thing about this. In the first round we talked about how embarrassing it was for the Republic of Dominicana to lose to the Netherlands, and it was. And last time, in the last classic, I think I get, I get this question a lot internationally. The Dominican and Venezuela just aren't competitive international baseball. They don't have strong national federations. They don't have strong amateur programs. Their players, their best players, are signed at ages 16 and 17 by North American franchises and brought to the United States. Even Japan has teams that have Dominican academies and signed players like uh, Alfonso Soriano, like Robinson Chaco 12 years ago for mm-hmm. you, Peter, Peter Gamas aficionados. They sign players, young Dominican players, out of Latin America, just like American teams do. Um, so in 06, the Dominican had a great World Baseball Classic, got to the semifinals, was upset by Cuba. Here, when Pedro Lazo got out David Ortiz, with the, when he was a go-ahead run, I don't know if people remember that. That was a great, because uh, Ortiz had hit a bomb off uh, the, uh, Cuba in the round robin, and then after a big exchange, a heated exchange with Arnold Pestano, had the, one of the best bat flips of all time. I still love that. But now, so the, the Dominican had its moment in the WBC in 06. Now Venezuela having its moment intertwined with the politics with Magdalena Ordonez getting booed by Venezuelan Americans for his support of Hugo Chavez. The whole thing is delicious. Uh, and we haven't even we talked about all these other pitchers, JJ. 
Right now, Felix Hernandez is throwing as well as any of them. Although, the problem with Felix is going to be what Iwakuma did right. that was so impressive was is that Iwakuma, with these pitch limits we have. Early count outs. With Iwakuma, you were sitting there for a little while. I was trying to run the numbers in my head. I was like, could he somehow throw a complete game on 85? I, he could have, I think. You know, now, they he pulled was, him at 70 so that he could make sure that he would be back for yeah, the you know, 69, 69 pitches. pitches. But Felix may dominate. But he'll probably dominate and still be done after five. Now this is a hundred inning pitch limit, a hundred pitch limit right. now for the final. It's either one hundred or one hundred five. It might even be up to one ten, uh, which I think is designed just for the Cubans. <laughs> you know, uh, but, but but he's got a higher pitch. He's got limit. a higher pitch limit. He's a six inning guy at most, though. I agree because he's so much more of a power but pitcher. What they have though is that their bullpen, conceivably, I mean, it's just if they can get this through is not the, Puerto Rico's bullpen. Yeah, if they can get through the seventh and eighth, then you know they're. <laughs> Let's face it, if, if Puerto Rico, honestly, I think if Puerto Rico had been able to pull Roberto Hernandez out of mothballs, even at age 43, and limbered him up a little bit, I think they would have beat the United States. They had to beat the United States to, to protect the lead with a tired J.C. Romero and Fernando Cabrera, and that's why the United States advanced. And kudos to the U.S., because it didn't give up. But a better bullpen for Puerto Rico, and, they, and, and Puerto Rico and, wins that game, and Venezuela does not have that problem. And Venezuela, though, is a better team in a two-games-to-win-it-all scenario than they are. Than they, they've gotten through the rough part That's for them right. That's because right. their starting pitching depth is pretty weak. And they do have – and also they still have some chaff on this team. Hey, they have Victor Zambrano. Thankfully for them, though, has probably made his last start That's in right. the uh, WBC. They have like Victor Moreno and Ivan Blanco and Orber Moreno. It's not a right. deep pitching staff. Let me make clear. Said. Let me make clear. They've got to get Felix when he goes out there has to give them innings. I think he has to give them six against against and, uh, Korea. And then the Carlos they got to find the bridge. Carlos, Carlos Silva, Silva will the do best. the other one. He'll you know he'll if, give them you know he'll probably if it's not them. if it's not him Armando Galarraga. I'm not sure what Venezuela's plans are to be their number two starter. I, I would think you got to go Silva, especially. He's, I, I agree. No, I agree. He, he's got more stuff, and he's been basically more he's, consistent. He's pitched them. very well in this event. He's, hey, you know we fit work for for Carlos Silva this offseason. He's one of the pitchers who. Because he lost uh, lost a lot of weight this offseason using We Fit, but the thing and then you got K Rod. But the thing for Venezuela is is that they have the lineup. There, if they win, Japan and South Korea are aiming to win three to nothing, three to two. Yeah, Venezuela's hoping to win like eight six. Right, and they they want to win eight. They want to be winning eight six going into the eighth, and then they want K Rod for a, a four five or six out save, which, which frankly is awesome. And K Rod has been one of the most amazing guys in this event. He has looked phenomenal. He's and thrown better in the classic than I ever saw him throw the last couple of years for the Angels. Granted, I don't watch a ton of Angels games, but it seems like when you watch him later in the year on some of these ESPN Sunday night games, he's topping out at 93 and throwing all slider, slider, slider. He's been blowing people away with fastballs in this event, JJ. It's awesome. So it's really fun. The, but you look at it. So you've got them. You know, Saturday, Korea versus Venezuela. Sunday, Japan, the U.S. And we, the one last thing is kind of we wrap up this. Japan is an interesting decision. Like, how they've set up their pitching staff, logically, it would be Matsuzaka's chance, time to go. He started earlier. He's had more rest than right. Darvish or Iwakuba. Because it's Venezuela and South Korea on Saturday, Japan, U.S. Sunday. That, that being said, we, I think we both agree, there is, if I'm Japan, even if he's my number one, like, you know, my ace, and, hey, Matsuzaka in international play? <laughs> Is a different Matsuzaka. This is the Matsuzaka that we, you know. This is a man. His, his, uh, and the thing, the crazy thing is, 
Matsuzaka International play, not so hot. Matsuzaka in the World Baseball Classic, amazing. Because yeah. of the Olympics, yeah. this guy's actually not been so yeah, good. Right. But in the World Baseball Classic, he has been money. And I think it would be kind of poetic, actually, if he uh, World Baseball Classic final in 06, World Baseball Classic in 09. But in the we, final. we both agree that why would you, if you're Japan, why would you let the U.S. face a guy who... The one guy they've all faced. Not all of them, but at least a good bit of them. Yeah. And can watch, you know, all this scouting video that they have, you know, and all this. Why would they not have him go against... And we both agree, I think, ideally, if you're the Japan, send Iwakuma out there, who is not going to blow guys away as much as he's going to mess with their heads. It's good, very good stuff. Yeah. But he's going to paint corners. He's going to basically never let you lock in on anything. He's been their most efficient pitcher. I mean, he's thrown in the bullpen. He's th- he started. He was very impressive against Cuba. And then right. you have kind of basically in reserve, you have Yu Darvish to come in, who, again, the U.S. has not seen. And rear back and throw 97, 98, and throw his six other pitches. <laughs> and that's got to be a scary thought if you're the U.S., that those two back-to-back, you know. And, hey, it's a one game. Yeah. We're not saying the U.S. can't win this because, they're, hey, they're two wins away. Hey, Darvish lost. Darvish yeah. lost to Korea, and Korea did exactly what they needed to do against you, Darvish. They, he was wild early. And they were aggressive. They capitalized <laughs> with aggressive base running. They shortened they up. They got on early because that, after that first inning, then it was like, we don't have a chance against that this That was guy. over. That was as over as Kansas against North Carolina last year. It was you uh, Darvish performance the last four innings of his start. Extremely impressive. And yet, I think I agree with you. I think Iwakuma is the better option for Japan against the U.S. So I'm, th- I'm thinking it's going to be all-Asia final, J.J. And that's well, no think- disrespect to Venezuela. I think Venezuela's lineup was very good. But Venezuela and Korea, real clash of styles there. Venezuela's trying to bludgeon you with the Detroit you know, a third of the Detroit Tigers uh, lineup with Bangalore Ardenas and Carlos Guillen. And there's one other Tiger on that team, I, f- I forget. Miguel Actually, Cabrera. Oh, <laughs> the best one, <laughs> um, Miguel Cabrera. So those three guys, uh, basically, and, and their orchestra against Korea's pitching defense and the mind wizardry of Insig Kim, the Korean manager. Uh, oh, and who's just amazing. I he mean, is amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> he's basically Casey Stengel's hunches times ten. That's you right. know, Like, oh, we're going to put him on the line. Yeah. Oh, we'll play our outfielders where they're basically one step from the wall. And he seems to make every right pitching call, too. Uh, he, he's, uh, he, he's been very good. As opposed to, I'll say, Higinio Velez for, for Cuba, who I thought was quick on the hook other times, other times way too slow on the hook and way too slow to get guys warmed up. Uh, it's a different style. Uh, I think it affected Cuba. I don't think they were quite up to. Uh, uh, they weren't quite as on their games as Japan and Korea were. But before we wrap up, the one thing we do need that's gonna hurt Japan is uh, Murata, their third baseman, who's one of the top power hitters in J- in Japan. Basically, is out for the. He pulled his hammy last night in a game that really should not exist. I yeah, mean, no. That's if we're problem. talking about how to revamp the World Baseball Classic, none of these teams. If you make it to the semis. Yeah, no, really more, care, no like, more games for seeding. Right, because no one really cares. And we've seen David Wright basically screwed up a toe. Yeah. <laughs> Shuichi Murata, if I, sorry if I mispronounced that. Shuichi Murata, yes. Screwed up a hammy, and he's out for the finals. Japan has four home runs in the series, and he's hit two of them. So that just tells you they're losing a key bat in their lineup. And, it, and as their manager said last night, it's an injury, and it's a major one, and he will not play. And... And how easily do they replace somebody? You know, how is there a Japanese <laughs> position player in the United States? Yeah, or, or I think they, they already have them all on the road. They have Ichiro. They have Jojima. They have uh, Aki Uemura. Is there another Japanese position player in the U.S.? You got Fukudome. already there too. Fukudome's already there. <laughs> and you're looking <laughs> yeah, for, an in, but you're also you're 
but I want that, but you're looking for you're looking for a third baseman, infielder. first baseman. So it's not like you can just say, "Hey, Sotoguchi, come on yeah. over." Um, I still want to see Yoshi Shinjo just to see Shinjo. Uh, I, I want to see, see him descend out of the rafters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to go uh, YouTube Friday. I'm gonna have yeah. to go see uh, some Shinjo videos. But uh, but it's a big loss for Japan. Now you're right. So the United States is not the only team that's going into this tournament. Into the Although the U.S. Final. is definitely they have the worst Olympic more than anyone about. else. And it's just, it's just another example of why American players need to long toss more and, and train more like the Japanese. JJ. Just thought I'd sneak that in. But a uh, great podcast. JJ, your, your pick, are you picking Japan? Yeah, I've I really gone back and forth. But, I mean, I do think that the great thing about this is four of the top, I think there four of the top five teams in this tournament are in the final. I the agree. Finals. I think and the so U.S. was probably the fifth best team. You know, I think so. I think they were better than Puerto Rico. And that's Puerto not, we're not, we're, the thing about this is we're not slamming the U.S. The no. U.S. players... Nothing against them. Look, the U.S. team put together put together the best team they could from the players who agreed to play. I think a different time of year, the U.S. would be one, oh. two, or three. I think I think American baseball is better than Korean baseball. I think it's better than Japanese baseball. But, but I think in general, it's probably a little bit better than Cuban baseball. Yeah. Oh, and I do. Depth. There's no question. I mean, at the, at the college level of late, the United States college team has been beaten. Cuba team beaten everybody in the world basically. But and the junior level very competitive. Uh, with Korea being the other team that's right there. The thing about this is that the U.S. players have made no bones about this. Like, Jake Peavy, Davey Johnson had to keep him in there because like, well, he needs the innings. Yeah. The U.S. is treating this like an exhibition that they want to win, whereas Japan and Korea are treating this, if a guy sits buried on the bench and he made his first appearance of the tournament yesterday, that's right. they don't care. They don't care. This is about winning the tournament, and by the way, we'll figure out how to get. The, well, in their case, actually, well, it's okay. He's been throwing, you know, a hundred, you know, hundred pitches every right. day for, you know, two months now, so he's ready for the season. And the great thing is that for the United States, position player wise, the U.S. doesn't need all of its best guys out there. That lineup they're going to throw out there, those are very competitive lineups. Hey, if, Shane, if Shane Victorino's hitting eight hole but playing right field for you, yeah, that's still a pretty good team. He's a starter on a championship caliber American World Series championship team. He's shown that with the Phillies. I mean, that's, he's a good player. Is he the best? Is he one of our 28 best guys? No, he's not. But, but you he's, know pretty he's pretty but good. But you know what also, and that's we, the, we really got to wrap this up, but yeah. it is something where you don't, and you see this with the Korean and Japanese team, it's not, you don't put together an all-star team here. You put together a team. You put together a team. Where it really is hurting the United States is on the mound. Even in the, in, in the bullpen, the United States is not anywhere near its best. You'd feel a lot better if they had Joe Nathan back there and a couple other guys like that. But uh, I'm also picking Japan. I think it's going to be an all-Asia final, Japan and Korea. And, and if uh, they do, man, that will be the most intense game of the year. Oh, it'll be on. It'll be the most intense game of the it'll year. Be on. And I mean, you know, and basically both teams, they both put their little flags they've planted in the mountains the last week. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I'm imagining, you know, basically like one of those flags that hangs over a skyscraper. I yeah, mean, it'll guys, drape the entire infield that they will plant I, in the mountains. I, I think any of these four teams that wins the celebration will be a little bit more over the top than small flag planted on the on home play on, on the pitcher's mound. That'll be pretty great. But uh, it's been a great tournament so far. We hope you've enjoyed it, and we hope you've enjoyed uh, our podcast about it because JJ and I, uh, we got the fever, and uh, the only uh, cure is uh, more, more classic. And, and more, more cowbell. We, with Cubans, we're still I, here. We get a little more cowbell. Absolutely. I'd, I'd love it. So for JJ Cooper, I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much for the download. We'll be back next week with another Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.